Hello and welcome to episode 360 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and uh, listeners, I, I think that I'm I get fired if I don't do one Pokemon episode a year uh, with RPG Fan. We did one last year in March. Uh, when, uh, that was a Pokemon uh, character draft episode. That was a lot of fun to record. And that was in part because everyone was really excited about Pokemon around that time, thanks to the that year's earlier release of Legends Arceus, and the that and coming later in the year, everyone anticipating Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So, uh, long story short, there was a lot of Pokemon happening the past uh, the past year or so, and we would like to talk about it in a dedicated episode. But who am I discussing that with? It is three panelists, starting with Nikki Fakuri. Hello. Now, Tom Cox. Hi there. And Anthony Krolikowski. Hello. Uh, Anthony, Tom, Nikki. that three games, 12-month period I'm referring to is from 19 November 2021 to 18 November 2022, exactly over a period of exactly one year, not, but not a calendar year. We had the Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl fourth-generation remakes, then in January, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is a new kind of Pokemon spinoff. And then uh, the new tentpole release, Pokemon Scarlet version and Violet version in this past November of 2022. Those are three games or three sets of games that are very, very different and had different reactions and uh, both from Pokemon outsiders and within the Pokemon fandom that I, I think there is a discussion here. So uh, we're going to go in chronological order, uh, starting with Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, what were y'all's experiences with this one? So, I mean, Gen 4 was sort of the uh, the generation I grew up on. So, I mean, I was definitely, like, really excited. Like, when this got announced, I'll, I'll be honest, I did. <laughs> I did cry. Um, no, I was really excited for it. And while I think there was definitely, um, may not have lived up to everyone's expectations, I think it, it, I had a really great time with it. Looking back at, you know, even the games before that Sword and Shield where they, you know, restricted the Pokedex, it was nice to be able to, you know, have the Generation 1 through 4, you know, all those Pokemon back. I know nobody really uses Delcaddy, but I used it a lot in the Battle Tower, even though it wasn't really that good. We didn't get Sylveon and stuff like that, but it was nice to relive those, you know, those moments, even if like the Pokemon Platinum aspect with those enhancements didn't come through. Yeah, um, I'm really sorry, Tom. I'm not a big fan of Diamond and Pearl. But I'm a big fan of Platinum. So the thing is, I did skip out on Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. However, I think it lived up to what it set out to be, which was an accurate uh, remake of Diamond and Pearl. They enhanced the graphics. uh, They tweaked the uh, Sinnoh Underground and they kept things faithful to Diamond and Pearl. They did what they set out to do. Whether that was exactly what people wanted or not is a different story, but these are modern versions of Diamond and Pearl. Now, uh, personally, I did not play through these, but I did get a copy of uh, Shining Pearl in, entirely because of a different game on this list. But we can, uh, <laughs> there's an exclusive uh, Pokemon in Pokemon Legends Arceus that you can catch if you have save file data from Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearls. That's why I got it. I found it on sale and did it for that reason. But 
Um, I, I do like Gen 4 a lot. It, it wasn't exactly what brought me back into Pokemon. Um, I, it, it was a fire red leaf green is what I skipped Gen 3 and uh, and then played fire red leaf green. And then and then the hype from that led me back into Diamond and Pearl, uh, which came out when I was at university. And, and, and I was also excited about uh, playing online for the first time. Um, so I, I do have affection for those games, um, but I, I, I'm not, I wasn't that interested in, in revisiting this one. I, maybe I will later because I do have a copy, but um, there's also, there was some uh, not positive fan reaction when this came out. Like uh, the, the balance of the game is weird because you're introducing fairy types uh, that were introduced originally in Gen 6. And uh, there's also... Uh, not always a positive reaction to the visual choices made for BDSP, um, it, especially follow, especially since the previous remake, uh, Let's Go, Eevee, and Pikachu were uh, were quite uh, beautiful on the Switch. Is is, is is that a misconception on my part, or like no. uh, people? Yeah, people didn't love the uh, the chibi look of this one. No, you're definitely right. I mean, like Nikki said, it was a faithful remake, and if you look back at the old pixel art games, I mean. Yes, they're pixel art, but technically they are chibi. And when you go into a battle, it's sort of more realistic proportions, I guess you could say. But um, you're definitely right. I think people people were definitely put off by the graphics. But I think um, for me personally, I actually found them quite charming. I had a hard time, you know, getting used to like the following animations of the Pokemon because, you know, like like you said, with Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, like, you know, every Pokemon was very like fleshed out when they're behind you. And then you see, you know, people have a Rayquaza behind them and it's like, you know, all coiled up, which and not like swinging around. So it's just it felt like a step back with, you know, just trying to breathe life into these Pokemon when they're out and about with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think um, obviously I think people would say that maybe Let's Go is perhaps the best-looking Pokemon game on the Switch. And I think people sort of gave Sword and Shield a bit of a pass. You know, it's, it's a different game, had those open-world aspects. But um, BDSP is back to sort of, you know, your single, like your route paths and all of that. So I think there was maybe an expectation that it might look closer to uh, to Let's Go. And there was, there was definitely some disappointment around that. Right. So that was my perception. Like, um, like this is a, f- a very faithful remake, as Nikki said, but there was uh, some disappointment among the fandom, as uh, Tom and Anthony uh, elaborated. But uh, let, let's move on. We're gonna we're, we will revisit BDSP, but I want to just get uh, set the table first by introducing all three games. Pokemon Legends Arceus came out in January of 2022. There was a lot of excitement around it, and I think it probably wasn't an accident that it came out um, in the sort of the same window that BDSP did, because it, they sort of share a setting or at least some mythology. Uh, Legends Arceus takes place in the distant past in the land of Hisui, which is a in the Pokemon world an ancient name for the land of Sinnoh, uh, uh, both of which I guess are based on the Japanese island of Hokkaido. And uh, in Legends Arceus, it's because it's the distant past, like Pokemon uh, uh, husbandry is in its early stages. Pokeballs are a new invention, and they appear sort of wooden <laughs> in the in in uh, Legends Arceus, and not sort of and not mechanical or high tech like in uh, recent Pokemon games. Um, uh, Pokemon are dangerous wild animals that are able of attacking, uh, capable of attacking you, the player in the field, and not just challenging by Pokemon. So it, it's and uh, when you catch Pokemon, it's less challenging them and getting them to a weak point and then catching them with a ball, although you still can do that. You can also sort of stalk, set bait or traps, and just throw a ball at an unsuspecting Pokemon and 
um, and, and capture them that way. It, it sort of, and it's also a semi-open world with um, five sta- uh, zones that are sort of segmented apart from each other, but within each zone, there is a lot of open freedom and uh, there's a little bit of, you know, Ubisoft syndrome, uh, qu- uh, quest giving and, uh, and NPC checklisting. But they, it's a game that gives you a semi-open world environment, a lot of Pokemon to capture, a lot of quests and tasks to do in a world that is based on the world of the fourth generation games. So uh, I, I hope I communicated this. Like Pokemon Legends Arceus was one of my favorite games I played in 2022. It just seems so different and fun and new for a Pokemon game. I I, I, I liked it so much that I that it, it inspired me to get BD, uh, BDSP when I wasn't interested in it before. <laughs> and uh, but but it's also it's not a fully featured complete Pokemon game. Like there's some things that you think of as being intrinsic to Pokemon that aren't in this game, like Pokemon abilities or held items. And uh, and and uh, I don't think it has like a full suite of of trading available. It, it also has a uh, Pokemon battles against a. Uh, uh, against noble Pokemon, which are sort of like puzzle action sequences and not a ton of trainer battles. While the, you know, the mainline Pokemon games are sort of built around trainer boss battles. Uh, although there is one or two really good trainer battles in uh, Legends Arceus towards the end. But uh, I, I've talked about it enough. Um, Anthony, Tom, Nikki, uh, what are our feelings on Legends Arceus? So like to start with, you know, once again, mentioning back to Sword and Shield, like, you know, they started off with that open world thing and I felt like it was kind of a test to see like, you know, fan perception of, you know, how a world like that would mesh with Pokemon. And they kind of took Arceus, which is kind of a, you can consider it a spinoff because, you know, it's, it's very different, I would say. And, you know, they made it, you know, mostly a full open world kind of thing. Like you said, there's the zones. It's more focused on finding Pokemon, you know, the shinies, all that, like it's more exploration and kind of like, more collecting based and a lot of times the battles felt not forced but it was kind of just like there to remind you that like pokemon is you know a battling game i feel like this game really took the like the gotta catch them all like aspect and put that in the forefront trading you would think would be more centralized but it was kind of like locked away behind that you know that one stall where you, you could talk to what was it? it was a message board or like some, some npc you talk to and then you can trade with your friends online and there's also those link cables if i'm wrong yeah there's a there's an npc in uh this in the town who you can talk to and she'll let you trade with people yeah so it's it just felt um like it was definitely more of a single player experience I don't know, I found that a little weird from like, you know, what I'm used to with Pokemon, but, um, you know, it's still, it felt like a hit, right? It just, there's stuff that you had to get used to for it to be a Pokemon game. Yeah. It's a Pokemon game that is definitely a spinoff, but, and, and is not as feature complete as a mainline Pokemon game, I think, but really does, uh, capture the fantasy of catching Pokemon in a world full of Pokemon in a way that, that, I mean, again, this is maybe hyperbolic, but maybe better than any other Pokemon game has done before. I haven't played like the full game. When it when it was revealed I was sort of I was interested because I really like Sinnoh and I thought the you know sort of the, the throwback to the past was a really sort of interesting dynamic. But I was just a little bit unsure whether it was for me, so I thought I'd wait on reviews and then reviews were some were really, really positive and some were a bit a bit mixed, a bit ne- negative. Um 
so I didn't pick, end up picking it up. But then I was lucky enough at Pokemon Worlds to um, to play a demo of the game for about about 40 minutes. And I really, really enjoyed myself. So I do now have the game. I just haven't yet started it. I remember those booths. I was really glad that they offered a demo because, yeah, it is pretty different. I do want to say this. Um, it doesn't matter. It's all, you know, labels just exist. But, you know, for who knows what reason. But it they, they are mainline. No matter how different they are, they are actually officially uh, listed as mainline titles. With that in mind, I do admittedly need to replay Black 2 and White 2 in order to uh, say this for certain, but I think Legends Arceus are my second favorite uh, mainline games in the series. I really love them. I think they have, like Anthony was saying, that focus on exploration is done very, very well. Um, and we'll probably get to talking about this later. Um, but I think having the quests gives a lot more direction to your exploration than another uh, set of Pokemon games had with its lack of quests. Um, and I think it, it gave the games a lot of opportunity to bring the Pokemon to life in a really interesting way. Like, hey... Those little guys are bees and they have honey. Can you go catch a bunch of different bees from different trees so we can see how their honey is different? It's like, oh, cool. Now I feel like the the deep lore of um, Combi has been, you know, further fleshed out. These Pokemon that you wouldn't really think of as particularly interesting or like, quote unquote, deep now have a lot more personality behind them because you are, you know, exploring them through these quests that give them their opportunity to be unique. And, um, wow, I, I really love completing the Pokedex in this game. It is a lot more single-player oriented, but um, after going back to Scarlet and Violet and needing to catch a Pokemon once and then never look at it again... I really appreciate how uh, Legends gives you a reason to capture Pokemon that you've already captured. Even if you've completed their Pokedex entry, just capturing them gives you money at the end of your expedition. It's uh, They really um, have a really good positive feedback loop for uh, playing. And I just keep wanting to play it. Whereas... Um, there are other games that I don't necessarily want to keep playing after I've completed, but that's a that's a different story for another time. I I think these uh, I think Legends is a very 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 strong experience. That other time may come very soon, but uh, there's a couple of these reactions I want to hit on. Uh, Nikki's absolutely right. The the game rewards you for any kind of activity, and you fill out your Pokemon's uh, your, your your Pokedex like fleshing out the information and, uh, and, and your data about the Pokemon by catching more of them or by having, using them in battle. It, it, they give you so many activities and, and consistently reward almost everything you do that. It's just fun to go out and explore the world and catch them or, uh, like, uh, uh, they, sometimes they give you rewards for or, or specific quests for watching Pokemon exhibit specific behaviors. So sometimes you're just stalking and following a Pokemon, watching it do something. And 
uh, I mean, I mean, it is a mainline Pokemon game, but I, I was I was just trying to distinguish it from your sword version, shield version, scarlet version, violet version, because it is it, it is specifically different. And uh, from what we consider the I mean, I mean, I, I think most people would say that sword shield are the Gen 8 main games and scarlet violet are the Gen 9 main games. Uh, Legends Arceus is a main game that is maybe a better experience than either of those two, or at least I think so. But I, but I, I just wanted to make it clear it, it's different, but that's not a bad thing. It's, it's actually a very exciting thing. And again, like fleshing out the ecology and mythology of Pokemon in such a specific way is, is really, really exciting for a Pokemon fan, and probably more so if you really like the Sinnoh games. And I, I'm not close to a full Pokedex on this one. I'm, I'm probably I think the full number is something like it's like 238. Uh, uh, but but then when you add myth, uh, uh, mythic ones, it goes up to 243 or 244. I, I, I those numbers are pulled out of my butt a little bit, but uh, it is quite possible to get a full completed Pokedex without doing any trading or any uh, two player activities. Which is uh, which makes this a self-contained experience, which is a little unusual for Pokemon, but still super super fun. Uh, I mean, you can check my Game of the Year f- uh, feature that I wrote a few weeks ago, but uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus is among my favorite 2022 games that I played. But now uh, let's change the tone of the conversation to something that is uh, probably going to be a little bit le- uh, more uneven than uh, our discussion on Legends Arceus. Pokemon Scarlet version and Violet version came out on November 18th of 2022, and they were much, uh, much bollyhooed. I mean, they are one of the, they are the first games of Gen 9. Now, now, I'm, now I'm hesitant to call anything main series or spinoff now. <laughs> but, uh, it, like... They went for a full open world as opposed to uh, Sword Shields um, have a uh, semi open world where they would have just the, the wild area section of Sword Shield was very open, but the rest was a very traditional Pokemon game. And then you have Legends Arceus, which had these open world zones, but there were five distinct ones and, uh, and with, without any online capability. But just about every part of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is an open world that is fairly contiguous, except for a couple specific spots, like inside some buildings and in Area Zero, which is its own uh, bag of tricks. But and and for all the exciting things that uh, Scarlet and Violet did with um uh w- with Pokemon interactions and some of the new monsters, there were some very disappointing or baffling decisions that they made, mostly with how uh, poorly the game runs. Like, there's, uh, there are complaints and memes and all manner of reactions to the weird visual tears that and associated things that happen in Scarlet and Violet. But I, I generally had fun with it. I, I don't know where it racks and ranks in my Pokemon personal canon, but I think I did like it more than Sword Shield. Um... Uh, whomever wants to go first, uh, t- tell me about your personal reaction to uh, Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, so, I mean, I think at, f- at first, obviously, the, ma- the major problem was that it ran awfully and there were bugs. And I think over time, I sort of got to the point where I was like, right, well, that's how it is for now. And I've just got to deal with that. But the further I've got away from the game after finishing it, the more I think the problems aren't they're not just the performance of the game. I think, yeah, it delivers an open world, but 
I would argue that the design of that open world is not brilliant. You can't, you you know, that there's a, being open world, there's an expectation that you can go where you want, do what you want. And to an extent you can, but there's no way you're taking on that final gym leader as you know there is still an order to the gyms there is still pokemon you're not going to be able to catch so i think there's some design choices like that that are just honestly quite baffling how like you can just expect your players to be like oh great i, I, I want to go over here but you can't because you're just not going to have a good time and then what's even more confusing is the quote-unquote correct order has you weaving from one side of the map to the other and it's just incredibly confusing to try and figure out what you're meant to do tom you are so right everything you said is so absolutely correct no lies oh my god i still i know i brought this up in my review of scarlet and violet but it still blows my mind that the ghost gym leader and the ice gym leader are literally right next to each other on the map but you are supposed to do ghost psychic ice the psychic gym leader is all the way on the southern end of the map why are you expecting me to go all the way down there when i'm right here yeah the the, the critical path if you go by the levels of the pokemon you're uh you're fighting there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. It, you're zigzagging all over the map with with one glaring example being that uh, that ghost and and ice gym leader separation. And and that's also strange because the wild area in Pokemon Sword Shield did have level scaling. And uh, by the time you had every gym and were in the post game, uh, you like everything was level sixty. And if they did something like that with you know the the Pokemon of of the of everywhere around you going up in level and higher and evolved forms starting to appear at different uh, starting to appear at different points. If if they did that with the more t- the especially since there's 18 badges to collect in in Scarlet and Violet, like if they did something like that with some form of level scaling, I don't think that would have made anyone upset because it's. I mean, difficulty rising and danger increasing as you explore more of the game and accomplish more things is just logical. Um, um, but uh, Scarlet and Violet does one interesting thing with uh, with its story paths, where uh, basically there is the path of completing eight gym leaders and defeating the Elite Four and then a champion at the end, but also two alternative ones, where uh, one where you're uh, you're searching for legendary um, ingredients to uh, and and fight uh, five Titan Pokemon. And another where, uh, which is, you know, the equivalent of the old evil team storyline where you're challenging uh, five delinquent students at their um, at their home bases. Uh, uh, team Star is the name of the evil team in this game, but it's, it's one of the least evil, evil teams that we've uh, encountered in Pokemon. Like being able to do those stories in any order and having those stories on separate tracks, I thought was really fascinating. But the open world design itself is sometimes pretty cool but sometimes too empty and always puzzling why they didn't go for uh, any form of level scaling at all. To be fair, I understand completely what everybody's saying, and I agree with it. The only reason why I see that um, Nintendo Game Freak decided to leave it open and then not scale the levels is to kind of give you like a you know a double-edged sword, pick and choose your battles kind of aspect. To you know, you do this one gym, it might be super hard, but then you know you go to another gym, and then oh, I I braved this big challenge earlier, so then you know this is a breeze. 
But, you know, I personally, even though I'm saying this, I, I don't agree with it because I would like to have a, you know, progressive, like, you know, no matter what gym I choose, it's, you know, the level 10 Pokemon, I go to the next one, it's meant for, you know, the next step and so on and so forth. I get their logic, but I don't agree with it. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think at the same time, their decision was, it was clearly a choice, but I, I think if you're going to have, if you're not going to have level scaling, then you either need to have much clearer directions or or some sort of signposting because you can't ex- like okay so we're adults so we can sort of get around it but pokemon at the end of the day is designed for children and you know is a seven-year-old gonna is are they gonna understand that they need to go somewhere else or are they just just gonna you know butt their head against the wall for the next five hours and give up you know like i think ultimately like the decision they made was was not the best decision and how they handled that decision was also handled very badly. Yeah. 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 I want to add to what Tom said. There's um, the, uh, the Pokemon center lady. Um, You can ask her, where should I go next? And she tells you to go to the place closest to where you are, regardless of the level. So I have seen some people speak to her and end up skipping like three gyms because she just tells you to go to the closest place. She does not even tell you the proper order to do things in. That's really uh, unacceptable, I think. Good game design will always have, uh, you know, the, the challenge level should gently increase and the, uh, the complexity of the tasks you do should gently increase. But, uh, but in an open world setting, it's not always easy to do that. So they use tricks like signposting and uh, and, and and narrative nudging to like like try to get to people people to go to the places that the game developers intend for you to go to. But in in Pokemon, other than having the two easiest gyms right next to the starting area, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. And, uh, and, and that, and I, it didn't affect me that badly. I think I, I think I had to do one gym and one, uh, and one star base, uh, out of order. Um, the, the star base was the fire one because it's right next to the, to the easiest, to a very easy gym. So I think a lot of people, uh, tripped over that, uh, that hazard. Basically I, I admire that they attempted this over open world. And when you're in the open world catching Pokemon, it's pretty cool as long as it holds up at a technical level. But I, I really, it, it doesn't have great open world design. The open world itself has cool parts, but like these, the, the, you can sort of tell that this is the first time they've they've attempted an open world game of this ambition. But uh, l- let's stay away from negativity for now. Uh, what do we like about these three Pokemon games? Like if you have a a, a specific feature or even a specific monster that comes out as a highlight, from either Legends Arceus, Scarlet Violet, or Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Uh, uh, throw it out there. So with um, with Brilliant Diamond, I mean, this is obviously a lot of nostalgia talking, but it did deliver on exactly what they promised, and I did really, really enjoy myself. You know, it was for me, it was really cool to go back to those towns that were little pixel graphics when I was a little kid and see them blown up in this this new environment and okay not everyone was a fan of the graphics i quite i personally quite enjoyed them and i also think it gave us a i mean i haven't played legends arceus i have heard that the the final battles in that are really challenging but the elite four for uh brilliant diamond like 
okay, the rest of the game was really easy, and then suddenly you sort of hit hit this massive wall that was the Elite Four. But they were a challenge, and it, it was really, really fun to take on. Yeah, I heard they made the homegirl Cynthia even harder this time around. Yeah. And, then, and, she, and she was well known as being uh, above average challenging for a final battle in Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So once again, you know, bring up Sword and Shield so much, but um, you know, they really made, um, you know, the whole competitive breeding mechanics, you know, easier. And then, you know, BDSP kind of took that away in a sense with, you know, the items not being there, the the herbs, the I think they had bottle caps, I think. Not too sure on that one. But then, you know, Scarlet and Violet took it a step further and you know, they added the mirror herb. So like, you know, even egg moves, you don't have to, you know, throw away that one Pokemon that you, you know, bred up and EV trained and put all this effort in just because, you know, it doesn't know counter leech seed whatever you whatever you really wanted for whatever reason so you know i feel like once again they're really trying to make those pokemon that you are attached to or you know especially like you know shinies you know you have a chance to you know craft them to what you exactly want them to be so they can you know stand out and it's not just a collection piece or you know something that collects more virtual dust in your pc yeah it's nice that instead of having to farm an ivil pokemon you can pick a favorite and, 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 and mold it to your liking somewhat. So, so it's, uh, I mean, I'm not sure anyone, is anyone really going to miss the days of, uh, of, of breeding for perfect IVs or, uh, or, or breeding for an ideal nature? I probably not is my, is my feeling, but uh, these features, which I I don't usually go deep into, uh, in these Pokemon games, making that a, uh, easier to achieve sounds like a great idea. And, um, you know, just, to to bring it up um you know how many shinies has everyone ran into because just exploring the map before the shiny charm i found one a sneasel and then like afterwards just ev training not even hunting i ended up with five other shinies just running around the map this isn't this is in legends rcs no this is um scarlet and violet oh okay i think um I know we're staying away from from negativity, but I think I think Nikki actually brought this up in a podcast. The issue with half of these shinies is the lighting is so awful. It's you very can't tell fair. they're shiny. I almost missed a shiny magneton. I literally would not have in, like I almost walked past it, but then I realized I needed to catch one for the Pokedex, so I decided to fight it. <laughs> and, um, and this is this is curious, and, and Nikki, you can probably uh, expand on this. Um, like a lot of people really love collecting shinies and uh and, and shiny pokemon are again uh, a rare instance of a pokemon appearing with a different coloration than normal uh listeners in case you're uh it, for the uninitiated although you all probably knew that already um arceus is very shiny friendly like they give you a an audio cue and a sort of a sparkling icon when you see a shiny and uh, once you complete the pokedex the uh you get an item that increases the likelihood of shinies appearing and they they also give you some items in game that that help uh with, with with shining hunting and and also like special events, Nikki, on during outbreaks in Arceus, is there a higher appearance of sh- uh, a higher chance for shinies to appear? Yes, uh, right. But in Scarlet Violet, like they remove some of those features, or like like and uh, it's it's shinies are somewhat easy to miss, and uh and they don't have as many shiny friendly features unless you get deep into sandwich technology. Uh, but but is is that a is that roughly how it went? Yeah, so like I've I've seen videos of people, you know, shiny spawning in walls and like, you know, they just, you just throw the Pokeball at the wall and then, you know, suddenly there's a shiny Bagon or something. But um 
oddly enough, like, you know, Legends Arceus with, you know, the shiny sparkle, the, the noise, everything. I only caught one one shiny in that game. So, you know, that's one to six. So I, I it's all luck based, obviously. But, you know, I had a much better time compared to any of my Pokemon games just running around the map and, and you know, finding them. So, you know, I guess I have a biased look and like, you know, yeah, it's great. But, you know, I, I definitely see the problems with, you know, not having your sparkles and your sounds. I don't want to like be contrarian or anything, but I have uh, about half a box full of shinies in Legends, and I do not have the shiny charm yet. I do have the shiny charm in uh, in Violet, and I have about half. And I've been looking at mass outbreaks like every day that I turn the game on. <laughs> um, it is all down to luck. It is um, that, you know, some people have found tons of shinies in like Gen 5 and earlier, which the rate for finding shinies was uh, half what it currently is. And the shiny charm didn't exist until Black 2 and White 2. So it is totally down to luck. But what I will say is it really bugs me that the Pokemon, like the wild Pokemon that have special Terra types have this like aura and a sound effect next to them, which sometimes even once they despawn, you can still hear the sound effect. But then shiny Pokemon don't have any sort of special effect. I feel like all they needed to do was put a shimmering sound effect. So while you pass by, you can say, what's that I hear? Let me look around and see if there's a tiny little paw me hiding in the grass that's shiny that I can't see. You know what I mean? I, I think that Legends Arceus had the right idea of it. It had a visual cue with a little sparkle and an audio cue. Because, I mean, I mean some uh, some players are colorblind or hard of hearing. And, 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 and a lot of people really value shiny hunting. So having those changes which i don't think negatively impacted legends arceus were really were really good and it was puzzling that they were cut from scarlet and violet but uh N- nikki let's try to bring up the tone of the room a little bit what's what, what's at least something you really really enjoyed about these three pokemon releases over the last 14 months oh man uh they decided to tear my heart out by putting ingo in legends arceus let's go <laughs> yes that's right that's right a lot of the legends arceus characters are uh either approximations or possibly distant ancestors of characters from the Gen 4 games. And, and Ingo, unlike the others, seems to have fallen into a time portal <laughs> somewhere after Black 2 and White 2 into this game. Yes, I love suffering. Let's go. <laughs> Heck yes. Oh, man. I also, I to me, the, uh, the true final boss of uh, Legends, which is not Arceus, that's when you complete the Pokedex, which even I have not done yet. Um, but the true final boss battle of Legends, I think is the, I to me, it was the single toughest battle in the series. Tougher than Ultra Necrozma, uh, a lot cooler than Ultra Necrozma, I would say. Um, a very cool, cool little character fighting. Neat. And this is the one that after you get all 18 plates or uh, 17 out of the 18 plates is right. the, the final challenge. Yeah. Yes. I, I have completed this. And um, I was able to win, but it was intense. And I have to say, it is, I don't know if it's hardest ever, because I mean, I just have a mem- uh, some memories of Pokemon struggles as a child that are, are definitely uh, colored by nostalgia or, or, or you know, uh, 
just just like a, a a vague memory and not a and not a clear memory. But this was a tough one and a really fun one. It's it's there's not a lot of trainer battles in Arceus compared to other Pokemon games. But the last one that they throw out you is really really good. I I I can confirm that for sure. Yeah, I mean like the fights that were tough for me when I was a kid and I didn't know how to play video games. I feel like if I was a kid playing this now, I don't think I could win. Um, which is fair. I, I think it is appropriately challenging for a post-game super true final boss. Um, and also just really fun. Also, they uh, the super true final boss uh, makes a reference to a line of dialogue that my personal favorite Pokemon character says, which is also neat. So we do we do stand references. So that's nice. And, you know, I alluded to it before. But one thing that I thought was so cool about Scarlet and Violet that uh, I, I want other Pokemon games or future Pokemon games to emulate is the 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 three way split of storylines. Because in in uh, older Pokemon games, especially ones say after Red and Blue, like having to blend the need to visit every gym with occasionally encountering the uh, the evil team of the game and sort of having these different conflicts at odds with each other while you're a 10 year old child uh, always seemed a little, a little weird. Um, but having the three storylines uh, set up in Scarlet and Violet where the, they don't interact with each other. So you can just do gyms or just do star bases or just do uh, the Titan Pokemon with, with, with a couple gatekeeping elements. And I don't mean gatekeeping in a ne- negative way, like, oh, you can't cross the river into this part of the map until you defeat the star base. Or, you know, you need to find the ingredient that lets your uh, legendary Pokemon uh, glide or swim before you can cross this river. Like, like, like other than bits like that, which, which, aren't, uh, dif- uh, which aren't difficult or bad at all, um, they, give, they allow these three storylines to exist separately and uh and build on each other and then when um and each of them even has a dedicated uh final battle and a dedicated rival character which is why there's sort of three three different characters share the rival role in scarlet and violet after you complete all three of those routes there's a final route that goes into a a fairly challenging and extremely emotional uh final uh battle for uh for being a pokemon game like i i thought that the that let's say most of those three separate storylines and then the final combined storyline was maybe my favorite Pokemon story since black white and, uh, and black white is my favorite. So that, I mean, this might be my overall second favorite. This is, I, 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 it was a story structure that was different from any previous Pokemon game and thought it really, really worked. And I really enjoy a few of the characters as well. Like uh, uh, my favorite character in the, uh, in the in the Victory Road story was by a mile Larry the normal gym teacher uh, gym leader, and uh, in and, and then the rival character Penny and in the, in, uh, in the the team Star storyline is one of my favorite rivals they've ever done. So like from a story and character perspective, I thought Scarlet and Violet did a lot of things very very well, but in terms of game balance and open world design, it could still use some work. That's exactly why they need to have the level scaling properly because in the previous games you had this problem where it was like you were always moving forward but then you get this call from professor elm and he's like 
I know you're like, you just beat up some old man using ice type Pokemon, but you got to go back to Goldenrod City because Team Rocket just decided to hang out there, you know, and then you have to jump all the way back to Goldenrod City and beat up Team Rocket or whatever. Um, so separating the stories is a really good, you know, uh, thing where you can progress them as you want but then you do end up with that challenge of, well, I just beat all eight gym leaders. Now everything else is going to be really easy because they're all level like five, you know, like uh, they were so close, you know, like they had such great ideas. They just were a little off the mark in terms of actual execution. I, I, I think that if they had uh, had if they had some form of level scaling, but then maybe a warning before the final encounter. Like, uh, let's say you do only the Victory Road storyline, and then you try challenging the Elite Four, but then, like, before you can officially challenge them, you get a phone call or something that says, hey, the Elite Four have Pokemon above level 55. Make sure you're ready for this. Like, like if they had level scaling around the entire open world except for key bosses, uh then I, I think that would really, really work. Because it, it, uh, then, I mean, it, w- it would have the final boss encounters backloaded to the end of the game, which I think is a fair compromise. But uh, but in, in general, y- yes, I love how these storylines were split, but it would be made even be- better with some smarter open-world design. I think as well, like like you say, I really like the free story aspect, but they were almost slightly too separate. I think if maybe it, maybe there were there were more there were some subtle hints in there, sort of maybe you should go and do this next, then you're not going to run into the problem of being, you know, completing one entire storyline, but you're only halfway through the other two. If the other if each one sort of intertwined a little bit better, then maybe you know you're sort of pushed towards doing a different part of another story and i know that's not easy to do but i think if they were to do that in maybe a follow-up or the deal if they bring out dlc or whatever then that would maybe just balance the your overall experience a bit better i like that yeah i do like um how penny and arvin interact in that uh final area but it would have been kind of cool to see more interaction leading up to that point i think uh that would have been cool and yeah it could definitely help push players in the quote-unquote right direction in terms of like you know levels and where they're supposed to go next so yeah in general i think the storyline split concept in scarlet and violet was great but not perfect and could use some improvement. But speaking of needing improvement, and we've already been over uh, a few of these things, but without uh, turning this podcast into a full-on roast of modern Pokemon, what what are one or a few disappointments you've had with these recent games? And uh, we've already talked about the uh, technical failings of Scarlet and Violet and uh, and how shiny hunting is... uh, is maybe not perfect in Scarlet and Violet, but just any any anything we haven't talked about before. What do you got? Um, yeah, I think Nikki sort of alluded to it earlier. I think the the biggest problem with BDSP was that there is a better game, and that's Platinum. And I understand why you don't you're not you don't say oh we're remaking Platinum because Diamond and Pearl has you know that is the name of the Gen Four games. That's the the name that everyone associates, not just the games with but also the anime and also the cards so i get why you you name them that you know they still want their double skew 
But I do feel like there was nothing really stopping them putting platinum content in there and just still calling it Diamond and Pearl. I think, it, you know, they would have avoided, like, a lot of disappointment. And, it's you know, you're not asking them to come up with an entirely new game. You're just asking them to recreate content that is already there. And, yes, maybe development was a little bit more expensive and a little bit longer. And I know they were working with Ilka, a new studio, but I do think that ultimately that would have led to a better player experience. Give me those fire types. Come on, Sinnoh, please. I want some fire types in the region. If you if you did not pick uh, Chimchar, then you have, uh, I think, Ponyta and not a whole lot else. Well, to be fair, with, with BDSP, they did introduce the underground, which alleviates that a bit. But yeah, at the same time, there is there's a severe lack of fire Pokemon. I remember that because I, I, I picked uh, Turtwig when I played um, Diamond version many, many years ago. And I, I, I had to sort of work around not really having a fire type. I think I, I think I taught Fire Punch to a Metacham. Piplup is my Gen 4 starter of choice, but I am very surprised that they didn't just reuse Mudkip because Sinnoh has Quagsire, Sinnoh uh, added uh, Gastrodon, it has Whizcash. They have every single water ground Pokemon and a new one, but n- no fire types. Like, hold up. Hold up. Of course, you could count Magmar, and I think there might be another one, but you can't even access that until, like, post-game stuff, unless you're really in the underground and you're searching for that 5% Magmarizer to actually spawn on that Magmar or Magby. So, <laughs> yeah, F- Flareon's around too, but they, but in, in general, like if you're going through the game normally, it's it's hard to run into a fire type in the earlier mid game other than Ponyta. And then Eevee is post game trophy garden. So good luck with that. I think I think Houndoom is another choice. But yeah, apart from that, I think that's it. And, and you know, um, uh, one thing I did find a little disappointing about Legends Arceus uh was the um i i think i mentioned this before was the lack of pokemon abilities and held items because i i don't think those were in let's go eevee or let's go pikachu as well but i i consider that just sort of a a part of modern pokemon um and 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 i know that they legends arceus did have uh other new wrinkles to um pokemon battling like the like the uh uh the, the uh what was it the strong style moves versus the the, the swift style moves that, yeah, um, strong the, and agile style. Agile, that's what it was. Uh, I thought that that was interesting, and uh, and you know it gave you a sort of different kind of uh, strategy layer to do. Whether you wanted a, a weaker attack that gave you extra turns, or a stronger attack that had you um, uh, a, a longer delay until your next turn, but also with at boosted power and a guaranteed hit. Um, I, I thought that was cool but i mean pokemon abilities and held items are two things that i just i, I think are part of building your pokemon team and 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 may, and add to the uniqueness and strategy of different pokemon ideas so i i, I the game is great without those but i think i, w- I would have liked their inclusion all the same I love it. I love what Anthony said about stuff like the mirror herb, you know, like they, they want you to catch Pokemon and then use them competitively rather than breed for them. But then why do they only give you one copy of each apricorn Pokeball? Give me the apricorns. I need them. I need to catch everything in a pretty Pokeball. Oh my God. That's it. That's all I got to say. Thank you. That's it. You know, that's curious because they introduce Pokeball crafting in Legends Arceus and they give you all kinds of material collection and uh, and 
and, and technology for crafting a bunch of different kinds of Pokeballs. But in Scarlet and Violet, there's no crafting, which would be fine. But also there's several Pokeballs uh, that used to be Apricorn exclusive ones, like Nikki mentioned, that you can't even buy anywhere. That you only get as special rewards sometimes. And that's weird. If they, Even if they just made them cost 100,000 Pokebucks each, there should be a way to, to, to obtain more copies of those. I agree. Actually, on a more serious note, I really do wish you could use those materials to make Pokeballs and stuff. Because, like, I'm not going to be making 50 copies of TM Charm. So, like, there are some Pokemon materials that are, like, completely useless. So you really don't have a reason to, like, capture or battle a bunch of the same Pokemon over and over again. Unless, you know, like they happen to make like TM earthquake or rock slide. Um, whereas like, like we were saying before, you have a reason to catch Pokemon over and over again in legends. I wish that they use the crafting material in Scarlet and Violet for more things. So you actually really had a reason to fight the Pokemon. And I wish that when you released Pokemon in Scarlet and Violet, they gave you materials because they don't. And it's really strange. In Legends, when you release them, they give you the Ivy Rocks. And in Pokemon Go, when you release them, they give you the candies so you can power them up. It feels really strange that releasing Pokemon has, like, no benefit in this game. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I, I guess I didn't mention it before. Scarlet and Violet does have crafting, but it's all from materials that Pokemon drop when you capture or defeat one. And it's exclusively for uh, for TMs. And, and, and crafting for TMs, I think, is... is fair in scarlet and violet it gives you it gives you a, a reason to 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 catch specific pokemon that otherwise you would just catch once and forget but uh, and arceus's materials is, is more based on farming or mining or seeking seeking out those uh those rifts that have uh, or outbreaks that um that, that where you go a little bit hog wild with rare pokemon and rare items but that is unusual there is crafting in scarlet and violet but they have it only applied to tms and not to other items. If they did that, I think it would get people out there catching Pokemon more to accomplish their late game goals. And that's, yeah, they, 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 I think the crafting in both of those games is a good start, but I think I want more out of both of them, especially out of Scarlet and Violet's crafting system. But uh, th that's enough negativity for now. Um, let's talk about the future uh we know that there's going to be dlc coming for uh for scarlet and violet it'll probably be a new explorable area similar to the armor island crown tundra stuff in, in sword shield and we know that there will be more pokemon games before uh in during gen 9 uh maybe another legends game maybe they'll bring back mystery dungeon maybe a game that's more in uh tied into pokemon go like the let's go games were probably another remake um, so, so tell me something that's, that you hope for in the next, say, year to 18 months of Pokemon, whether it's an expansion to Scarlet and Violet or something else. Our last, uh, Mystery Dungeon game that came out was the remake of Red and Blue Rescue Teams. So, you know, I used to play that game when I was little. I didn't feel a big need to pick that game up again, maybe in the future of a sale or whatever. But, you know, I would love to see you know, an expanded roster, kind of like what they did with the 3DS games. And, you know, just give us a new story, you know, maybe some new mechanics. Like, you know, they had those certain things you could equip in the 3DS era. 
but you know, I would, it, I think it's time to give us just a new, not a, re, not a remake of an old mystery dungeon, but just a new, a, just a plain new one. I think for, for me personally, like, um, I'm, I mean, we know they'll come eventually the time scale I'm not, I'm not sure but definitely black and white remakes i think that that is what i am looking forward to the most i i also slightly i'm interested to see how they go about it do they try and combine you know black and white and black and white 2 does black and white 2 even get a remake or is it sort of just left in the dust but either way i'm you know gem 5 is is easily in my opinion one of the best so uh i'm just looking forward to to that really we can hope it doesn't get the brilliant diamond treatment with how they left out platinum stuff. So, well, I think it's it's less likely to happen just because black and white is black and white. There's no third version, you know. I mean, yeah, they could definitely leave out black and white too, and we can hope that they 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 don't, or that they have a a black and white two remake at some point as well. But I think there's less of that. I have less of a worry about that just because black and white is black and white there's no better version if you if you see what i mean brace yourself because i know nikki has oh, thoughts on this no tom you are right you are so correct but this is what i was saying about the thing before labels are arbitrary you are absolutely right that there is no quote-unquote third version to black and white however when game freak announced the the sword and shield dlc and said we're not going to do third versions anymore they showed a picture of black 2 and white 2 they consider black 2 and white 2 to be a third version even though it is not at all like the other third versions and that's what makes me worried i i really do think that if they were to remake black and white they would either completely skip over Black 2 and White 2, or they would, like, make a weird, strange post-game Colress battle and leave it at that. And I'm so worried. I also genuinely worry that there are a lot of uh, dragon-centric, like, final battles. The 8th Gym, uh, N and his dragon, Getsus and his... Uh, High Dragon. Whimsicott is accessible early game to everybody, either through an in-game trade or in the wild. Uh, it, it would now be a fairy type and destroy the entire balance of the game. I, I don't really mind if it happens in the next 18 months or later. I want them to just port Black and White and Black 2 and White 2, they can have like the Pokemon Black version collection with Black and Black 2, and then the White version collection with White and White 2. But, you know, keep the graphics the same, don't change the graphics, keep the mechanics the same, don't add fairy type. What they could do, there's no way that they're going to bring back the Dream World, so just change any NPC's dialogue about the Dream World to be about something else. They could do like what they did with Crystal version on the virtual console and like have an NPC, maybe like uh, Professor Fennell could give you like uh, the ticket to go to the Liberty Island for Victini, um, have the mythical Pokemon like just accessible. Like an especially big pipe dream of mine would be like uh, like the Capcom collections where they have like concept art and like a beta version of the music because 
if you see the concept art, like early concept art for the Gen 5 characters, it's a whole new world. I would love to see like developer commentary on like black and white and like what they were doing because apparently they said that they they took one whole year making the story by itself which i think is more time than the entire games these days get to be developed so i would be really interested in just like ports of gen 5 um that way we get everything we get black and white we get black 2 and white 2 we don't get any strange things that come about from new balancing and um then they can give us black three and white three and uh yeah that's that would be cool that is a very ambitious dream that i isn't it bad that that's ambitious it's a port (laughs) it's a port that shouldn't be ambitious And but but you're right in that uh, in that sort of extra features like sort of making of and developer diary stuff it can be really exciting in games um, like like all the Street Fighter collections have all kinds of concept art and stuff in them uh, which and, and the, you're probably thinking of uh, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. When oh, you were ta- what a good game! Wow, yes, you're <laughs> when right. You were ta- when you were talking about Capcom collections, yes, and uh, recently the Atari Fifty collect Fifty Anniversary Collection. Uh, has something like several dozen Atari games on it, and then developer interviews uh, and and work in progress versions of these old Atari games, including stories about uh, like finding ancient arcade machines that were locked in uh, in barns, and stories of drug use while de- developing games in the seventies that are completely wild. Like that Atari Fifty collection is almost better as a documentary than as a collection of actual games. So like more games with features like that is uh, is extremely welcome and a Pokemon remake would be a great vehicle for that. But I, I want to share something that was an, uh, an idea I had that I've, I've talked to a couple people with, including, uh, including some of you here. But uh, I think that Pokemon Legends Arceus is so exciting um, in, in its reinterpretation of, of Pokemon lore and in even the new Pokemon it adds that I, I think that Pokemon Legends should be a new sub-series where they go into different par- parts of the Pokemon world in the distant past, and uh, it, with a, with you know a unique story and new interpretation of po- existing Pokemon things. So I want to talk about my least favorite Pokemon generation, which is which is maybe insulting to listeners or to the three of you, and I want Pokemon Legends Zygarde. Go back into the Gen Six games and give us a an old version of Kalos with castles, cathedrals. A medieval aesthetic. Maybe there are orders of Pokemon knights. Uh, and maybe there's uh, uh, Xerneas and Eveltal are are sort of revered as gods of neighboring kingdoms at war. I I, I think that Kalos, the, the Kalos games were a little undercooked, and 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 didn't feel, especially coming off of Gen Five, which is again my favorite generation. That I, I think that. A game that goes into the lore of Kalos and the monsters there uh, could be really, really exciting. And 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 I mean, I would play a, a game similar to Pokemon Legends Arceus in a lot of different settings. But I think Kalos, because it had the uh, the the French European uh, setting with the with some things like like castles present, like going into giving us like a Wars of the Roses. Uh, or Hundred Years War version of Pokemon could be really really cool, uh, and also I, I want to see what what uh, what you know crazy new versions of the starters that we got because I thought that like 
like uh, Hisui or Legends Arceus specifically gave us improved versions of Samurott and Typhlosion. Uh, like, and so something like that with, I, I want to see a new Legends game specifically may, maybe in Kalos with new interpretations of starters and, and past evolutions because, because I liked Arceus so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played Arceus yet, but I definitely plan to. And um, I mean, that'd be really cool. I, I actually quite enjoyed Gen 6, so I'd be I'd be really interested in going back and having a look at its past and all of that. Yeah, I would I would love that. Um, I can't wait to see uh, AZ's Floet get drafted into the war in real time because, yeah, let's go depression, let's go sadness. But uh, I, I completely forgot about that storyline until um, you brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, young AZ, let's go. My only question is, would that happen in the next year? I feel like if they're going to do any sort of like previous region stuff, we're moving into Unova before we move into Kalos. But when it's Kalos's time, I think Kalos really would shine with a Legends treatment from like ancient Kalos. Yeah, and also talking of like uh, the starter forms and all of that, Kalos obviously had um, mega forms, so seeing if if they're there, that would be some ancient mega forms. Would be that would be really cool to see. Oh man, because then when the when the uh, the weapon goes off and then Mega Evolution is brought into the world, like a bunch of Pokemon can just be like rampaging as mega forms around the region and try to kill you. Yeah, let's go. Yes. Yeah, maybe Legend Zygarde could introduce how uh, the Mega Stones were first created. Well, they and, know, we know that, okay? That oh, okay. was explained in X and Y. It was when the it was when the uh, the ultimate weapon went off that uh, all that energy kind of accumulated and made megas. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so just as you suggested, we could we could witness that event and then deal with the immediate fallout of that event in a, a hypothetical yes, uh, literal Zygarde. fallout. I can't wait. Pokemon mass destruction. I don't know if, if any of you have seen um, any speculation, but you know the whole Area Zero connection, and then the um, you know that ultimate weapon from from Gen Six and like possible DLC. Have any of you like seen any of those theories? If you want to talk about that, let's talk about it. I haven't heard of it, but that sounds amazing. Paldea is fake Spain, and Kalos is fake France. So if that ultimate weapon uh, catastrophe event happened nearby, maybe it is the Area Zero crater. So, you know, there's lots of Floet down there. And then, like, you know, there's the Go-Go, the, the, a lot of Gen 6 representation. Um, you know, Greta, one of the, you know, not too strong um, champions has Go-Go and, you know, that kind of representation. All of that stuff. And, you know, it makes me feel like as much as I'd like to see Gen 5 first, just chronologically, I feel like something Gen 6 big is coming, at least in DLC. And I would be, you know, happy to see something like that come about. Yes, let's go. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Kalos DLC. I'll take it. Let's go. All right. Well, that's enough talking about the future. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Tom, Nikki, and Anthony, for joining me on this Pokemon discussion. I I played so much Pokemon in 2022, uh, including Legends Arceus and Scarlet Violet and my first time playing Let's Go Eevee, um, that I especially in the second half of the year, I, I'm, I was riding a Pokemon high for a while and I knew I wanted to podcast about it. And uh, this was the right time and opportunity to do so. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you listeners for joining us on this uh, somewhat indulgent uh, Pokemon talk. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. I think like before we go, maybe we should say that 
thinking back on what we've just said, maybe we've come across as as quite negative at points, but I think it's just <laughs> it's just uh, when you're passionate, like we all love this franchise. Clearly, otherwise we wouldn't have been on a podcast about it. But I think we're all just we all just want the best for the franchise, and like I don't think you know. Clearly, we don't hate it. Clearly, we love it. But um, we just want yeah, we just want the best. Yes, exactly. 100%. But, you know, before we sign off, I have one last question I want to ask each of you. Um, in a recent playthrough of any of these three games, I want you to tell me one Pokemon, one monster that you love that uh, either carried you or helped in a major way uh, in that playthrough. So just tell me one Pokemon you really like that you used in one of these recent games. So, But I, I, this is a surprise question that you weren't prepared for, so I'm going to give you a few minutes to prepare. Uh, listeners, um, speaking about the future of Retro Encounter, uh, later this month we're doing two episodes on Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber, which is unsurprisingly for the N64, but I will be playing that very, very soon on my Nintendo Wii Virtual Console for those episodes. Uh, and coming in February, we have all of it planned out. Um, we're doing a new character draft episode, this time on the Xeno series. So we have a Xeno draft coming in early February, as well as another episode about our individual RPG obsessions that uh, I'll explain when the time comes. And also two episodes on Lost Odyssey, a Mistwalker game made for the Xbox 360 that uh, even though it's not available on modern platforms for the most part, is still a, a, a cult hit that we have uh, some people in RPG fan very excited to discuss. Uh, if you want to reach out to Retro Encounter directly, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, you can also find RPG Fan on Facebook, RPGFan.com on Twitter and Instagram, or RPG Fan has dedicated Discords, YouTube, and Twitch channels as well. Uh, please interact with RPG Fan however you choose to. Um, RPG Fan also has a dedicated shop, rpgfan.com shop, where you can find uh, merch, emblazoned with the rpg fan emerald shield including coffee mugs phone cases clothing and other things rpg fan has two other fine podcasts random encounter every two weeks about randomness and rhythm encounter also every two weeks about rpg music and you can review retro encounter or those other rpg fan podcasts on apple podcasts google play spotify or whatever uh vehicle you choose and give us all the feedback you want but first i want some feedback from my panelists uh starting with you tom uh, what is one Pokemon that you loved using the past year, and where can uh, people find you on social media? Okay, so mine's quite basic, but uh, it's Piplop. Um, it's my favorite Pokemon, and you know the problem with having a starter as your Pokemon is they're very rarely in the Pokedex, or at least not accessible before post game. So it was just it was just fun to have have it on my team again. Um, but yeah, and if you're looking to find me, the best place is probably Twitter. You can find me at Voiceless Tom. And I should say, there is a Piplup that you can find in Arceus. The, 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 the Sinnoh starters are in the wild in slightly, slightly hidden areas. Oh, I did, uh, yeah, I did see that in the demo. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, it didn't, that was a, a setting point for me. <laughs> Excellent. Now, Anthony, tell me one of your favorite Pokemon that you used the last year and how listeners can find you online. So surprisingly, um, you know, I've, they brought gulpin and swallow back to scarlet and violet and i've kind of always wanted to make them work and um you know using that mirror herb that i mentioned earlier um stuffed cheeks and then belch is is quite the quite the combo as long as you don't run into any psychic types or ground types but um the best way to honestly find me is to just go on the rpg fan website i have a link to my twitter and my portfolio website 
But if you are persistent and just want to go directly to the Twitter, it's at AntonioNeonio underscore K. And now, Nikki, tell me one Pokemon that you loved using in the last year and how people can find you online. Well, uh, part of me wants to, you know, give a shout out to my starters because they're always uh, great to have on the team. But, you know, I gotta, I'm gonna go with um, in Legends, there is a relatively early quest where you can uh, get a shiny Ponyta. I guess uh, because Ponyta is the fire type of the Sinnoh region. And wow, I mean, that Ponyta became a gallant Rapidash and was so helpful throughout the entire game. And it really brought back those good old, uh, good old Gen 4 times of always using a Rapidash because that was the only fire type I could find. It was really a nice old callback, but this time it was shiny. And I really really appreciated that big old powerhouse on my team. Um, and if you want to find me on the twitter.com, uh, I'm at Otome underscore Nikki. That's N I K I just one K because one K is Nikki. Two K's is a diary and I'm not a diary. I'm Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. And, uh, personally, um, going back into my Pokemon legends, Arceus team, I, I really had two that were my favorites for the whole run. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know what? I'll, I'll one of them was um, Hisui and Gudra, uh, because it, like you catch a Gumi, like a, which is the Gen the Gen six baby dragon Pokemon, and normally it, it evolves into a slug like uh, sap sipping or uh, or like rain heavy um, dragon called a Gudra, and and the, that again resembles a slug vaguely. But Hisui and Gudra, the when you evolve Gudra in Legends Arceus, it becomes Dragon Steel Steel and has a giant snail shell at the top of it and that thing is just unkillable i made one named grandpa that learned flamethrower and dragon pulse and a bunch of other stuff and it was one of my uh horses that carried me through the end game including uh being a a key player in that difficult final battle in legends arceus so uh even though gudra was not one of my favorite dragon pokemon in the past i now genuinely love hisui and gudra thanks to pokemon legends arceus so uh Listeners, whether you're a, a Piplup or a Turtwig or a Chimchar kind of person, we appreciate you listening to us. Thank you, good night, and good luck. After you follow me at The Real Monsoon on Twitter, at Eat Vogel for Dogs on Twitter, and Monsoon Mike on Discord. <laughs>